Listen, players. <laughs> You're listening to the Movement, Strength and Play podcast by the School of Calisthenics. Here are your hosts, Tim and Jacko. This week on the podcast, you're in for a little treat because Timbo and Jacko are being interviewed by the lovely Shane Dowd on his Got Rom podcast with the title Built by Calisthenics, as in we were built by Calisthenics. But actually, we go into a lot of the story around how we got into Calisthenics and the building of the School of Calisthenics, which you'll some of you won't know, but some of you are fairly new listeners to the podcast, will start to find out where those building blocks and foundations of our training, etc., actually came from pre-training calisthenics. I think we got a little bit philosophical as well, didn't we, on this one? I think there was a little bit of a dive, a little bit deeper into the mindset behind things that we had done, decisions that we've made around training. So definitely um, hope you enjoy this little conversation. Before we dive into that, guys, we just want to say a massive thank you to our podcast sponsors, Spartan, for sponsoring the and giving a credible opportunity. They've also not only sponsored the podcast, but they've also given away free places at a Spartan race. So you can now... Get a if you do a few things, step, jump through a couple of hoops for us, not big ones, to get yourself a Spartan race. And as Jacko said before, these are worth like up to 100 quid per race. So it's a really and yeah. kind of thing for the guys at Spartan to have done. But all you've got to do to get free spots, any sport, Spartan race of your choice, is take a photo of yourself getting Spartan ready. Jacko likes the ones in Speedos, so if you want to kind of tickle his, his fancy. <laughs> Ooh, I've them. got some new Speedos I've as well. seen them That's on so the ground. Nice. <laughs> They're naughty. Um, so take a photo, <laughs> post it on Instagram, tag Spartan, and use hashtag Spartan race, and tag in the School of Calisthenics, and to make sure we see it and can then therefore send you the code, DM it to us on Instagram. And we will then send you the code that you can use at checkout to get free Spartan race. As I said, of your choice. I believe, Jacko, these are available globally. I'm, I'm literally, I, said, um, I don't believe I'm making that up. I'm looking at you for validation. <laughs> yeah. But the, 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 the biggest thing that you need to know is like, warning, warning. This is, and this isn't one of those like last chance. This isn't Sports Direct closing <laughs> down sale yeah. that's been going on for 25 years. This is last chance. This is the last week that this is available on the podcast next week you will not hear this mm. as a as an opportunity so um this is your last chance to get on board with that um we've taken part in spartan race uh, ourselves it's uh, it's it's fun it's challenging there's a lot of community based in there. there's a lot of stuff that we believe in around training from a perspective of what the scorecard stands for and so it's been great to uh, partner with spartan on this but this is your last chance so, without further ado, ado, I still I need to look that up on the internet and see what the right pronunciation of that phrase is. We're going to get into the podcast. So here is me and Jacko talking about all things calisthenics and our own, from our own perspective, through our own lenses on the School of Calisthenics podcast, so the Movement Strength Play podcast by the School of Calisthenics on somebody else's podcast. Um, get me off, Jacko. Get me off this <laughs> off-ramp. I'm trying to navigate myself down. Roll that jingle. <laughs> Welcome to the Ultimate Athlete Podcast, where we help you look, move, and feel like an athlete. In today's episode, I'm talking with Tim and Jacko, who are the brains behind the School of Calisthenics. These guys are featured in GQ Magazine, BBC News, and Men's Health Magazine. 
They have over 600,000 podcast downloads and over half a million followers on social media. Tim and Jacko started exploring calisthenics as slightly old and broken rugby players in 2014. Progressive bodyweight training reinvigorated the fun they had lost over years of doing the same old squat, row, and press gym programs. Today's episode explores how the average guy or gal can explore their physical potential using movement, strength, and play. So please help me welcome Tim and Jacko from the School of Calisthenics. Cool. So I want to welcome Jacko and Tim to the podcast, and I want to jump right in with uh, a little bit about your backstory. I, I read on your website um, that you were once both broken rugby players, and then you found your way to, to calisthenics. Is that is that the case? Yes, that's true. Jacko was a much better rugby player than I was, so I'll let him start with this, uh, this <laughs> tale of our history. Uh-huh. Well, I <laughs> that then okay. So I was like a relatively average rugby player than that. So then Tim, you're you know, by putting yourself down, it means, and then, but anyway, um, <laughs> you're we, a professional player, Jacko. <laughs> yeah, we both we played, you know, rugby, uh, but we didn't know each other during that at all. We we actually met um, through a friend uh, that I played rugby with that went to the same church as us, and he introduced me to Tim when I'd finished my rugby career, came to an end from a, a brain injury that I'd had, and I was looking to get into S and C, and and Tim was already. Uh, deep into the SNC world working a lot of Paralympic athletes and my friend connected us and it was and that was sort of the start of the Tim and Jacko show I guess you can I take thought, it over Tim from there because I thought you were going to say it was love at first sight um <laughs> yeah so a, a similar sort of story about my my specific history around being playing rugby and, and injuries was dislocated shoulders um had two reconstructive surgeries played from the age of 10 years old through to I don't know, my 30s. Um, and yeah, sort of stumbled into, into calisthenics a little bit as a, but two kind of twofold really. The first one was I'd had a shoulder surgery, the second one, and all the rehab stuff I'd done in the past hadn't really worked um, to the point where I felt confident to go back on the rugby pitch or to get into the gym and start mixing it in a strength and conditioning context, which was where my career was then sort of moving. So I decided that if I could learn to handstand, which is something I'd never done in the past, no gymnastics background or anything, then that would give me some confidence that my shoulder was stable. Um, and that was around the same time that I'd met Jacko. So I kind of like, he was leaving rugby and I kind of just dragged him into this thing that I was playing around with, which was calisthenics. Um, and I was also using it as a bit of a tool to kind of improve my toolbox for coaching athletes so i wanted more things how can i use bodyweight training or progressive bodyweight training to to create more adaptation and i was doing quite a lot of work in swimming at the time so great transfer training in that environment as well so it was kind of a perfect storm really just very opportunistic there was something to, to that we thought was fun to learn and then we kind of just got hooked on it that both of us had done a lot of weight training in the past and had kind of gone through that process of we can do Olympic lifting, you've done some hypertrophy work, and Jacko had done a lot of sports-specific stuff. You kind of go in the gym going, well, should I do 10 reps or 5 reps this week and or for the next four weeks? Whereas calisthenics, all of a sudden, was this opportunity to learn things that we couldn't do. And that skill acquisition process was like just super addictive. Um, so we went, we went hard into that, and, and that was kind of an unintentional birth of the school of calisthenics because people saw what we were doing and... We were, we were really, really bad to start off with, but then we got a bit better. And then people asked us if we would teach them because we'd got this kind of coaching context and experience behind us. We just took those skills and then applied it in calisthenics and then took it to people who also wanted to learn. And, and it started very, very organically, just like, just like that. 
Beautiful. That's awesome. Yeah, I want to touch on the fun and the play of calisthenics a little bit later. But before we get into that, you both mentioned some of the injuries and physical challenges that you had that maybe led you to calisthenics or were just a part of many a weightlifter and athlete's journey, just getting hurt as part of the game. Um, I'm curious, what have been the biggest challenges in your own physical fitness journeys? Is it is it the injuries? Is it something else? What have been the biggest obstacles, roadblocks, challenges for each of you? Jack, I couldn't touch his toes when I first met him. He's got much better at that now. Flexibility, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I think yeah. For, for me, it was my shoulders. That was the biggest stumbling block because when we first started, um, yeah, I, I literally didn't know whether my shoulder was going to stay in the socket when we started doing handstands and human flags. It was it was real touch and go, but it was let's see what how this thing goes because we sort of I was that, and that gives you a bit of an indication of where I was at with what I tried in the past and why I wanted to be. So I was willing to pretty much like go all in on this one to see. And if it was I didn't help. and I didn't know you, Tim. From you've never dislocated your shoulder since I've known you, and so my context when he was we were, I remember I literally remember the conversation because he was like shaping up for a human friend. I was oh mate, my, my, this is the my, my shoulder in that position. Oh, it's a bit scared. And I was like, get out, come on, lad, get in, just let me do it. Like, I, I didn't know that actually I was encouraging him to do something that was potentially not a great idea because I'd never seen it happen to him before. So I, I give myself great credit for being totally, um, uh, what's the right word? Gun-ho about my safety. Like, like bad coaching, <laughs> basically. I didn't, I, I, I didn't take time to find out the injury history. <laughs> True. Like any good gym, gym bro training partner. No, you can do it. Just go ahead. It's yeah, per- yeah, perfectly yeah. safe. Exactly. <laughs> Either do it or get out of the way so I can have a go. It's kind of the, uh, the mentality. Um, but like otherwise, and that like I say, athletically in, in inverted commas, like I am a relatively capable mover from that side of things. I, I don't struggle with mobility, and I tend to pick up things relatively quickly. So that has been the the, the, the one we started with. And then as you get into calisthenics, there are other things which then start cropping up, particularly around sort of wrists and elbows and shoulders are a big one because people start loading those joints in ways which they've never loaded them before and because calisthenics is so addictive they start doing it a lot and then those joints can start to get beaten up and worn down and we both had that early days like golfer's elbow and your forearm issues particularly because they might have hanging and gripping work that you're doing and ground-based work so those are kind of the, the real things that people struggle with you've not had if you you've had a few issues on the way jacko in terms of just road bumps haven't you in terms of injuries yeah like you said right yeah, wrists. No, that's more more like elbow, shoulder. But the override because the overriding thing to answer you, like your question of like if it's if it's in gem like in general, you said like a fitness journey. Like for me, it's always been, and I think for a lot of people, it'll be the similar. For me, it's always mental. It's the the physical thing that might be what comes out in the end is is obviously like yeah, the acute thing of like okay, I've injured my hamstring, or I've injured my shoulder or whatever it is but it's the the mental challenge is always the the biggest thing that's that's what i always found in my when i was playing rugby it was like mentally like i'm holding how do i stop myself holding myself back like how do i break through those things and then like you know be it being being tight from playing a, a contact sport like it's an adaptation of the body like and then me describing myself many times on like podcasts or in conversation with people like oh i'm tight and i've always been tight because of the and it's like it's actually before i get 
into what I need to do to my body. Like I need to address the the mentality around it first. Um, and I think that that change, like if you, we have to change the way we look at our our bodies if we're gonna make any real change. Yeah, it relates in my mind to something that I read on your on your website that two of your core values are challenge and longevity. It's like calisthenics is so fun. There's so many skills to develop that it's a fun challenge. But if you go into it too gung ho without the proper coaching, you're going to sacrifice your longevity. So I'm curious if you guys if you guys can share a little bit more about um, how you personally balance that challenge with the longevity and how you do with your students as well. Yeah, the, the longevity is also um, for us a, a big we talk a lot about physical pension. And can we train in a way which is going to optimize the human body's ability to, or our ability to move for an extended period of time into our later years? Uh, rather than you find a lot of people just kind of go into certain forms of training and they just get chewed up and then 40, 50, 60, they're like, oh, I can't do these things anymore. And, and rugby is one of those things, right? People, I, like the veteran game of people still having run out on a Saturday afternoon at 60 years old, but they're in pain when they climb the stairs or they can't get out of a chair. And, and it's, we just think there's an, it's an important part about the decision of how we train in terms of how we want to move for the rest of our life. So, and, and the challenge thing really is, the great thing about calisthenics is you can set a tangible goal. You can have something to work towards. And when you can do that thing, then you've, you, can, you can take a photo and you can see it and you can capture it and you go, I've achieved a human flag or a handstand. When we find people that come from maybe, and, and this is not a criticism, it's just a, a comparison, um, maybe come from more of a, a, a training program which is aesthetics focused, people are never happy with how they look. Like the world's best bodybuilders are not happy with how they look um, because they're constantly moving the goalposts. So you'd never be big enough or lean enough or symmetrical enough. Um, and we just think that there's this, that can be, if it's not handled, managed, kept in check well, that can become a relatively toxic story because you're never good enough. Um, and you get that in calisthenics. It's always a harder skill to learn, but at least there is a tangible thing that you're working towards. And to, to answer the question about how those two things come together, the challenge in longevity, let's be honest, like we had barbells from about 1928, I think the year was when it was invented. Humans did quite a good job of staying fit, healthy, active, surviving wars, conquering new lands, all that sort of stuff by not using barbells. But we've become so reliant on the modern gym environment. But I just think there's a nod there to the, the human history of going, we've done pretty well and body weight training, being strong for our own physique and managing our own body weight, mastering it to, to a point, has served us extremely well for many, many years. And it, so that, to me, is just, is, it adds a credibility, if you like, to the form of training. It goes, this is actually a really effective way to train. You can learn some cool stuff, which fits into our modern-day environment, but it also respects the way that the body is designed and therefore will facilitate longer-term human performance if we want to kind of frame it in that kind of context. Yeah. I think that's why I resonated with that when I read it originally on your website, because I've been saying for years that one of my goals is to compete in the senior Olympics. Like I want to be like a senior track athlete, nice. like 60 years old, like sprinting down the track, practicing my, my jumping and sprinting. And yeah, just having a body like, yeah, your physical pension, like how are you going to be when you're, how physically capable are you going to be when you're, when you're that age? I just think that's the coolest thing ever. Um, related with that, you guys 
and it's a parent talking to you, you put a lot of emphasis on play, on like having fun. Because if you're not having fun, you're not going to do this for very long. If you're doing the same bench press, squat, deadlift routine, five by five for all, all time, even the most boring of us is going to get tired of that at some point, likely. And you're going to be just ingraining the same pattern over and over again. So can you speak a little bit about um, the role of play? Um, I think there's there's a couple of elements with it that, you know, as Tim said, with our, how this whole thing started for us, it, it, it was organic and that's sort of how our whole journey's been. We've sort of, um, we've experimented on ourselves and part of the play journey was we were a little bit bored of like traditional way of training, looking for something a little bit different. And that that play element was just I literally it started where we were just literally messing about in the gym and everyone like there was no calisthenics rigs there was no we were literally like hanging off just the machines that were in the gym and everyone just thought we were a bit stupid or whatever we were like oh, I was having a bit of bit of fun and, and it was good that there was like two of it like it'd be very difficult and quite daunting to do that on your own um, but you know but now you go into like a lot of gyms and there's like you know there's a there's a calisthenics rig in the middle of it or there's you know, there are some rings hanging up or there's some TRX. So there's, there's some stuff that you can, or space to be able to do some handstand work or as a wall that people use for handstands. Like that, that's been created out of just the popularity of it because like you said, when you're doing something that's fun, you're more likely to come back and do it again. And, you know, the, one of the key things, we've done a whole podcast series on this around like the, the sort of magic bullet that people are searching for is that there isn't a magic bullet, but the, the closest thing you can get is being consistent. And if enjoying what you do, because there's a playful element to it, allows you to be more, helps you to be more consistent, then you make more progress. So then you feel that sense of achievement and then it fuels, that's then a positive um, cycle that this keeps sort of driving itself. And the, the brain, um, the brain itself is more engaged and learns better when it's having fun and, and play is a fundamental element to not just ours, but all like they've, um, was it Stuart Brown books play? Yeah. He's looking at like the whole animal kingdom and the way they learn is by playing the way they learn, like what's socially acceptable is by play. Um, and it's, it's something that we rob ourselves of as adults because I don't know why that's, we think we have to be serious because we're adults now we're grown up now and, there's probably some subliminal messages that go on as a, when you're a child of like, oh, you're a big boy now. Big boys don't do that. Or don't cry. Big boys don't cry. And big boy, oh. Do you know what I mean? There's that whole thing that where we, we get told things. It's in a loving way, but it's maybe, I don't know. But then, that's probably a different comment. But do you know what I mean? That the, typically, a lot of people as adults, you go, when was the last time you played? And I don't mean play five aside with your mates, because that's still, like, like you're, getting, you're getting closer, but... The truest sense of play is doing something, doing it just for the fun of it, doing it with no no reasons, no constraints, no rules, just for the sheer joy of expressing that movement or whatever it may be. Yeah, I love that. And then having been someone who's been on both sides of the spectrum, one like highly structured routine, same thing every day, day in and day out, same routine. And then now I was telling Tim earlier on this call that I'm living in Colombia, and uh, my routine has a lot more play in it. For example, we'll go out, we live on a canyon in the Andes Mountains, and we'll go do some trail running and I'll, and I'll invent like parkour games for my wife and I. I'll say, you got, okay, you have five jumps and you got to get on top of that rock on the fifth jump or 
or we just discovered that there's an ultimate Frisbee group. And so we'll go and just run around like kids and chuck the Frisbee around. And um, I don't have to create accountability with someone to make myself exercise. It's just a heck of a lot of fun. And so I'm going to, it's just a lot easier to keep doing it for a long time. So that's, that's super cool. I, um, I also noticed in a lot of the videos that you guys have that there's a, a big sense of community. Like it's not just here's your program, go do it on your own, but you guys have classes and workshops and you're hands-on with people. Um, I'd like to hear you speak a little bit about that because I think especially in these times of COVID and just the gym culture in gen general, it's kind of like I go to the gym and I do my routine. But I think when CrossFit and group fitness classes and calisthenics and other things kind of got repopularized, we all realized like, oh, it feels really nice to move and play and exercise with other people. So speak a little bit about community. It's an interesting one because it's, it was something which, I mean, Jack and I went into calisthenics in the early days by ourselves, but it wasn't long before people just kind of like, it's like magnetic. It's like if you see somebody else doing calisthenics, you almost can't really resist having that conversation. So there'd be times where we used to go and train at a really like ropey park in the summer, <laughs> and we were awful, right? We just we were like we were literally playing, and we didn't care what anybody thought. Um, but there might be somebody else there doing calisthenics, and we would just have that conversation. When we started kind of like thinking about what the school of calisthenics was going to be about, we wanted to have that community because there's real power in it in terms of bringing people together, but also because it's not easy. Like it's not, a, it's not a, it's not a simple thing to learn calisthenics. It, it takes a fair amount of bravery. Um, if you're the only person in your gym trying to learn something new because everybody else is operating under the restraints of the socially acceptable way to behave in a gym and calisthenics doesn't really do that, or at least it didn't before. It's probably more normal now, as Jacko said. So we really want to just kind of enable the people the opportunity to connect and, and, and do it together. And, and particularly in the early days, there was a real kind of like core group of people that kind of like gravitated towards what we were doing, what we were saying. And, and it was an amazing start for, for us to have that. Um, and some of those people are still kind of in, in our community and with, on the journey with us now. Um, and then as things started to kind of grow and we were starting to run workshops, again, it was an opportunity just to go and be hands-on and face-to-face -face with people. And, to be fair, when we first started, online coaching wasn't really the focus. That's only really become something which has come, been born out of the necessity of, of COVID. So we used to go around and do workshops at people's gyms, and we just do what we do best, I guess. We always kind of put ourselves out there as we knew we were never going to be the greatest calisthenics athletes in the world because that's not our background. We've not invested enough time in it. We didn't come from a gymnastics background like a lot of people who are very good at calisthenics have done. They've been doing this stuff since they were five. We started in our early 30s. It's a very different conversation. But we were always like, well, what we have done a lot of is coach. And we'll put ourselves up, still now put ourselves up against anybody in the world from a coaching perspective in calisthenics and say that we can, we can mix it with the best from that perspective because of what we've done. We can break it down. We can communicate well. We can deliver it. And we've had fantastic results from presenting our content and our take on calisthenics. But always about bringing people in, make it accessible. That was our number one objective from the start. How do we make this stuff easy to get on board with? Because of the, the benefits and the positive things that it brings to people are significant. But we don't want to see people to see human flag, I could never do that. We were like, well, if you could do this, and then you can do this, then maybe one day you can do that. And that was where Redefine Your Impossible came from, which was with our strap line from the beginning. 
Um, do something that you don't think you can do, but make it easy, get people on the journey, and then we go there together. Very cool. Yeah, I mean, for me, many years ago, uh, the first time I ever saw anything calisthenics looking like was when I saw Ido Portal, some video about Ido Portal doing a bunch of crazy stuff that I'd never seen before. And I think that might have inspired a lot of early people early on, like, oh, wow, I never even thought about my, my moving my body in that way. Um, and obviously, he's kind of known for being very movement generalist, like just broad everything, just keep practicing new things, different things, as wide as you can get. I'm curious if you guys see yourselves as more sort of like narrowly calisthenics, like this is traditional calisthenics and this is what we teach. Because in exploring your materials, I get the sense that you dabble outside of traditional calisthenics as well. Um, yeah, is it, is, it, is it more narrow or do you also explore a lot of other things? Um, well, I think as, as time's gone on as, and as we've sort of evolved and developed our own sort of like evolution of our own training and our own philosophies around what's important with our training like it's that's changed and 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 that's just the reality of our of our journey you know the first thing we learned was a back lever and then it was probably human flag and then muscle ups and the frog to handstand um and it was like we were there was a little bit addiction is the wrong word so it was like a positive thing but it was like oh and then then you can oh, I feel like I could do that. And like that felt impossible before, but then I've done it. So then this other thing that feels impossible, I'll go after that. And it was that was that positive snowballing effect of that. Um, but then one thing that's been always quite apparent, and and actually going back to a question you asked before around how do we how do we do that challenge on longevity? There's a big emphasis on all of our training programs or however someone engaged with our training on on movement on the movement preparation side of things of being like tim is very very diligent on this and it's like right if we're doing this like we have to prepare people to be able to do the things they want to do and we break it down into quite simply into sort of like two strands of of movement and and strength we have to have the movement capability capacity to do the thing and we've got to be strong enough to do it and one thing as you try to explore various different things on your journey you start to find out which parts of that puzzle are you missing or which parts of your body are missing a certain part of that puzzle? Is it movement or is it strength? Um, and as that's gone on and as I guess just as we've got older, it's like, well, do you want to just do, to do something new? It's like you've either just got to do the similar things but just harder versions of those things and there's a point where it's like, what do I want to just do something that's harder or do I want to like go sideways and do something that's like a little bit different? Um, you know, for me, we're, we're just constantly exploring the like physical capabilities of our body, um, our physical potential. And that physical pension is an important part of that now for us personally, as we get older and that will resonate with people within the community as well. And they're going to come along on that journey, um, journey too. So yeah, it's sort of, it's 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 not it's not narrow. It's it's also like how do you how how are we defining calisthenics or what's our iteration or version of that? And you know, if it's calisthenics comes from two Greek words, kalos and stenos. It doesn't in its in its um, in its definition. It doesn't there isn't body weight using just your body weight isn't isn't in the definition. But it it generally means everyone would agree that it's body weight training rather than like weightlifting. Um, and so, you know, I've started doing a lot more running recently. Is that body weight training or is it 
running or is it endurance? Well, it's all those things, isn't it? Um, and and so it, it's for me, it's a, if we're using our bodies to explore and find out more about them and the capabilities and potential that we've got, um, and having fun along the way, then we're we're ticking the boxes of what the school cast tennis has always been about. Um, I think it's a natural evolution, probably to do with age, <laughs> if anything else. And then speaking of that, you've already kind of touched on it, but um, how does one stay healthy when they undertake any new training, but especially under, when they undertake calisthenics training? You, you know, you, you alluded to that, you know, you can overstress your elbows and your shoulders and all kinds of things, doing anything new, any form of training. And you said that, you know, it's important to have the right motor control, the right technique, the right strength progress in a, in a systematic and logical kind of way is what I was hearing you say. Um, is there anything else that's important to stay healthy? Do you do um, flexibility, mobility training, any kind of recovery methodologies? Talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, I think the, the first one for me is having a, a structured training program. That's kind of the, the biggest thing that people can fall into the trap of, of doing. When they, when they take on something like calisthenics, which is movement patterns and loads and, and intensities that they've not trained before, particularly through like tendons and connective tissues, then it's really easy if your program doesn't have the appropriate amount of balance structure, recovery um, embedded into it to just go and overload those structures. And the issue is, is if you have overload tendons and connective structures, they can take a long time to heal. And they, they, they like golfers elbow, there'll be people, if they literally kind of sense and done and listening to this, we've had it and it can go on for months, maybe longer. I know people have had it for over a year because it's while you don't offload the tissue because you want to keep training, it just keeps getting aggravated. Um, and therefore, does it get any better? So that is that is one thing. And then I guess the broader thing is that's just kind of a calisthenics specific thing. The, the broader thing around that is is there's a simple kind of like fundamental principles of, of of recovery, and we've used these in sports performance before. But people thinking about sleep, people thinking about nutrition and training load, and those are like your big rocks. There's there's so many people wanting to kind of uh bring around sexier kind of recovery tools and yeah we have normal techs and game readies and and we have ice protocols and all this sort of stuff like move well give the body the time the opportunity to recover and uh, but so much of it comes back to high quality movement if you move well and you're mindful about how you're moving and you allow the body to recover then you're just working in the cycle the body naturally wants to work within in terms of if you, if you move badly, you start chewing up your body and it's going to start to cause bigger issues. So if you can do those two things and, you, and, and get a decent amount of sleep, then you're going to be like 90% of the rest of the way there. Trying to use, it's like, you can see this, this example in so many different kind of like contexts within fitness. But like having a supplement or having um, a, a certain kind of recovery gel or whatever it might be, and then only getting four hours sleep, like you're literally pissing in the wind. Um, so just take care of the big stuff first. And it's, it's the boring stuff. And that's often the way we're training. It's the stuff that's not that sexy. It's not that fun to do, but it's the stuff that makes the biggest difference. As Tim said, like sleep being like a huge, you talk to anyone in like health, like sleep is, is the number one thing. And that's, um, you know, understanding the effect on your nervous system of your training and everything else that you're doing. Um, and you know, you can't, you can use and abuse your body for quite a long time, but eventually it will, it will, it will stop you. 
it will stop you from doing the things that you're doing if it's if you're doing too much when you're not allowing that that rest your nervous system will govern that and having having some simple ways to like to be able to like even just noticing that you're having really crap sleep so that's a sign that that's a, that's the nervous system talking to you so listening to you and you know, we use all sorts of different tech and things but as tim said it can be done very simply um but having an appreciation of everything that you do in your day is going to impact your body and your nervous system not just your training and, and being able to to manage the whole system rather than thinking like you know jack training jacko is still the same bleeding jacko that's work jacko and husband jacko and whatever else jacko like i can't think that i can just smash myself in training and smash myself at work and then think that i'm going to come to the next thing and be fresh like of course i'm not yeah you guys are shattering my dreams here because I thought it was just massage guns and create creatine. And <laughs> <laughs> you're telling me I got to sleep eight hours. I got to manage my training volumes and I got to eat well. Ah, okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we also sell this magic red pill if you want one of those. <laughs> oh, okay. Now I'm interested. How much? <laughs> <laughs> that's, I mean, that is the answer. Like, like you said, those are the big rocks, but that's not what anyone wants to hear, but they need to hear it over and over again. If you're not, getting your full night's sleep, eating your vegetables and sufficient protein and the right amount of calories and managing your training volume and training with good techniques so you're not overloading structures of your body that shouldn't be overloaded. Like, don't worry about anything else. I'm 100% agreement. And you know, so you can get away with some, with pushing those some things. So just as an example, the people listening, uh, I sympathize. I've got I've got two young kids and one of them didn't sleep last night. So we've, I'm on a four-hour sleep and I trained this morning. But the thing is, of just going into that, and it comes down to a self-awareness conversation of going, I cannot expect to do a hard session this morning. This morning is ticking a box. I turned up, I did the session. It was 70% of what I've probably normally got. But I went to, I did the work. I, you can't you can't go in thinking that today was going to be a 10 out of 10 because oh, I just forget the fact that I only had four hours sleep. I'm going to go, on, going to go and mix it. You, you have to respect the body and, and this is what so many people don't do and it's kind of there's a there's medal of honors that people think they're awarding themselves i train harder and longer train insane or remain the same no you're an idiot like listen to your body your brain will tell you what it needs and i had a conversation with someone say i don't drink a lot of caffeine i like i say a lot like i use caffeine as an ergogenic aid around training typically because i want so i have maybe one caffeinated like coffee a day the rest of the time we have a really good friend who's got a coffee roasting business called kickback coffee and, and he has an incredible decaf shout out shout out to alex um but like if you're filling yourself with caffeine because you're tired and you need to get through the day in a training session you are just masking what the brain is telling you the brain is telling you you're tired but we don't want to listen to that because we're a type a person we've got to get stuff done stupid like it, we don't respect the system enough that has actually as i said before done a pretty good job of guiding us through many many years without caffeine and without all this stuff that we kind of do to ourselves on a daily basis in 2022 yeah you, you what you touched on for me there was kind of self-awareness like self-awareness and consistency like knowing when it's time to step on the gas and when it's time to just kind of go through the motions or what my mentor used to call go out and do a hour-long glorified warm-up on the days that you're physically and mentally not prepared for training like, don't think that you can sleep four hours and be under, you know, malnutrition, have malnutrition, and then go out there and crush it. Because at some point, you'll experience the breakdown that we've all experienced at some point in time. So it's like, 
how does someone who doesn't have a long training age, they haven't been an athlete for 20, 25 years, they haven't just had a bunch of breakdowns and injuries, how can they um, learn from the people who have and sort of um, prevent those kind of things? Is it, is it um, self-awareness? Is it tuning more into their body? Is it uh, measuring physiological you know, variables, heart rate variability? How can they um, take the advice without having to learn the lessons the hard way? Smiling, Jack. I'm going to let you go first on this one because I'm going to be very full on this in a minute. You, you, you go first. Do you want me to do something fluffy? Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think now what, what, what the blunt answer is going to be. For me, I'd say you said like self awareness. Like we have to, you've got to. I love the fact that like training can just be a great tool to learn about, about yourself, right? So if you don't understand what your personality, what your sort of like go to is like, then it's difficult for you to understand what it is that you need. So for me, the answer to this isn't like yes or no or binary in that for someone who typically is not motivated to train and actually they need to kick up the ass to get themselves training, they need some accountability and they need like a training partner to push them through. Like that person, their approach needs to be very different to a person's approach who's someone that's like, they'll train all day, twice a day, every day, try to and constantly overtrain because they're, addicted to training and it's like we got this two and there's everything in between right we got there's two types of people i didn't think this was going to be my answer but we've got two types of people there and everything in between and you go the big question is was what is going on in your head behind all of that causing you to have either that addictive trait to training or not wanting to train because of you or whatever those i don't know like use as an opportunity to figure out what those things are um I don't know. For me, if like, if your if your biggest problem in the world is like your training load, like, you go and find some bigger worldly problems to get get excited about. That was a good blunt point to finish on. I was just going to say that. <laughs> go I think so. Oh, it's ex- right. I'm going to fluff this now because you've softened me in the time oh, I to no, think no. about yeah. it. Oh. <laughs> well, I just I was just going to say people won't listen. People don't want to know. Like so. I think there's so many people that I've trained over the years, and it's a certain type of personality. Um, men, particularly, I'm going to say, um, are worse at this. We've always, Jack and I have always enjoyed coaching females because they, they listen more and they work through the progressions. They understand our phrase of earning the right to progress. Often guys, when we're in a workshop, will be like, here are the progressions one to five. We suggest you start at level one and work up. That's what all the females do. The, the men will go straight to level five and work out where they, and then come down until they can find their level. <laughs> stupid um or not come so, down and just stay at five yeah. and go, why not do it why not do it why not do it why can't yeah, what's, what's the one thing that i need to do which means that i can then do this progression and, and often we just go we're just not strong enough like you haven't earned the right to progress so i think the answer the blunt answer to this is like people are are just they don't want to they don't, they don't want to put in the time to and the consideration they just want to train and, and i don't want to take that away from people the biggest thing that we need people to do is to train regularly like we want people to move and be healthy and that's such an important part so I, what i don't want people to do is kind of get paralyzed by thinking oh i've got to worry about training load like that's not the problem for most people if you're not if you're training less than four times a week you just need to train because if unless you've got a chronic health problem or you've got a load of other stuff going on, you should be able to recover from two to four sessions a week relatively easily. Even if you're a novice, you can build up to four sessions over a period of time, and that will be recoverable, if you want to call it that. Where the problem is you have people who are training six or five, six, seven times a week, high intensity and try and knock it out of the park every week, carrying niggles and injuries. 
there comes a point where it's an experiential process where you're going to go, I've had enough of this. I need to change something. But until they hit that point on their own, they won't change. You can tell somebody that they've got a niggle, who've had a niggle for a year, you need to change the way that you train because it's, it's not working for you. Unless they want to change, they won't change. So they have to find that point by themselves and then they'll be open to support. So the, the, the thing to do is like, is to ask yourself an honest question is about, am I that person who is just trying to ignore what my body is telling me? And I'm just going to work through this injury. If you can, if you sort of say, if you've got an inkling that that could be you, go and do something about it. Go and get some, go and get some support because you, it's that thing like what you've done in the past is only going to continue to give you the same results if you don't change anything. Yeah. I, uh, I was that guy at one point in time when I was working in a, in a CrossFit gym and uh, it's the, the downside or the danger of the group atmosphere environment is it's easy to push it a little harder than you should if you can rein yourself in or if you don't have a coach who knows when to rein you in or both. Um, so I had to learn the hard way in my, in my 20s and uh, thankfully, I think one of the things that helped me the most to not get even more injuries than I had was to hire a coach and invest in a coach and a mentor at some point in time, someone who I would record my movements that I was training. I was doing Olympic lifting and typical kind of track athlete training. And, um, and I'd send him hundreds and hundreds of videos and he would just critique them and tell me when I needed to back off when I needed to push it. And um, that helped me to develop my own intuition over time but uh but sometimes you just got to go through a couple couple injuries um i'm curious you guys have a lot of offerings there's pe people can work with you in in workshops in person do-it-yourself programs how does someone who has seen all these fun cool looking videos of you know human flags and handstands and ring work and all this fun stuff that they've never seen before how do, how do you get started with all this is there a curriculum, a path, um, how would a beginner get started with calisthenics training? Um, well, we literally have a, um, our bodyweight basics program is like a, an all-rounder built around for the beginner to introduce everything from like how to do some of those things which are about looking after ourselves and understanding like movement preparation, looking at our movement quality, looking at building strength progressively um, that is for upper and lower body and starts to integrate in the playful elements of getting used to using if you've never used rings before, getting used to using those and that type of stuff. Um, a lot of it doesn't require any equipment at all, um, but that's literally the, the onboarding or starting place for um, for people within our um, within our community. And yes, yeah, so bodyweight basics, and then sort of from there you start to get a bit of a taste and a glimpse of like what elements do you enjoy most, what elements your body responding well to, and maybe you want to then go off and look at maybe a, a specific movement that. Uh, you're going to use as a little bit of a training goal and some an aspiration to to work towards and sort of redefine your impossible and and understanding that that like it's fine if it feels impossible at the start but just use that notion not of a challenge to encourage you um but not to either overwhelm you or push you over the uh over the edge do all of the bits that oh, it's great that it's great that you pulled them out within the within the podcast itself but they're they're within the within all of the programs that that we have and um you know we, the, our online programs are done like you can you can have them individually but typically people sign up to um a membership where you get like you get access to the community to the coaches and then um a whole series of um of programs within each of the uh, the two membership awesome yeah i highly recommend people go check out your website because um 
the sense that I get when I'm on your website and I see all of the tools that you make available to people is like, if I was someone who had no training background and I was just starting all this for the first time and it can seem so overwhelming, like how does a front lever, you know, what's the progression to that? What's the regression to that? It can be very overwhelming. And I get the sense from looking at your materials that you're supporting people in all kinds of ways. It's like, there's a clear progression, there's direct, you know, interaction with you guys. And so we'll put all that in the show notes, but I highly recommend people check out the, um, the website. Is there anything else that you think um, would make a difference to, to chat about for, you know, we're speaking to people that are interested in calisthenics, but maybe don't know much about it. Anything else that's worth, worth sharing before we go? Uh, I think my take home point for it, if you're interested in it, but intimidated by it, it'd be one of the most sort of fulfilling journeys that you'll go on. Like anybody who can do a freestanding handstand and, and regardless of age. So don't let that be a barrier. We've got people who train with us in their 70s. And we've got people who train with us who are 18, 19, 20. Um, the, we, there's, there's never too late to start. And I actually would encourage people, the, le- the later that you start, if, if you're in the latter years, like that's almost more valuable because the opportunity that we have at that stage of our life to learn new things physically, we typically deny ourselves of that gift. Um, and it's such a positive thing from a neural perspective of laying down new neural wiring, effectively challenging that neuroplasticity, the brain's ability to learn new things okay, it might take longer, but the process that you go through, what you learn about yourself and an opportunity to stick at something like a handstand. Anybody who's learned a handstand over the age of 30 has been through a process and they will tell you it's one of the most rewarding things they've done, despite it also being one of the most frustrating things that they've ever done. But I just think there's, there's so much there that it's just don't let fear of failure or intimidation or anything stop you from the benefits that you'll get from learning to move in a new way and we talk about exploring your physical potential it's liberating like go and just go be brave do something different and get away from that flipping toxic gym culture that is just at the moment chewing people up and spitting them out with with crappy movement patterns and, and injuries um, or it's just so mundane that it's just you go i go to global gym i stand there i'm like crikey this place is depressing so fun and go and find some people you can do it with. Sorry, that was like four things. Jacko? <laughs> you nailed it. No, you nailed it. I don't know that I've got anything to... Yo, no, I'll reiterate just a point I made before. Like, Use your training as an opportunity to, to find out more about yourself and your body. Very nice. Can I, can I pigeon out? I, I'm going to do one adjunct. And then use that knowledge to do something positive. Like if there's things that you're not very good at, those are the things that you actually need to go and spend more time focused on. That is like the weak link, which is potentially at some point in your life going to be the weak link in the armor. So whatever you learn then becomes your focus. And you you keep learning more and you keep upgrading your movement system by that self-awareness of going, why can't I do that thing? Go and work out how to do it. And then you go, oh, what's this next thing? And then you start to really build this, great understanding of your body and but also the education so that you become the master of your own training we, we talk a lot around we spend a lot of time trying to educate because we want people to feel empowered rather than going what 12 week program can i do for the next three months and then when that week finishes week 12 they're like oh, i don't really know what to do now i've gone find another 12 week program I'm like what's the point in that like you're not learning anything um so we want to empower people to feel like they, they, they can take control of their own training because that's the skill and it's an investment in themselves themselves long-term totally totally make them their own their own best teacher their own best trainer awesome well it's been 
super fun talking with you guys. Thank you for taking the time to come on the podcast and uh, hope to talk to you again soon. Yeah, thanks for having us, man. Thank you. See ya. Thank you.